give it up for the worship team. Melinda, looks like you're walking a lot better. Praise God. I um, want to open up and uh, just open up with some prayer. Uh, I know that Terry's in a pretty tough spot right now, uh, just mentally. Obviously, he's been through a pretty tough couple, couple years, or within the last year and a half, really. But just want to open up with a prayer and uh, make sure we reference him, and then we'll get into it, all right? <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus, just for bringing us here for fellowship. We're so thankful just for the ability to meet. Thank you, Lord, for like-minded believers. We just want to lift up our brother Terry and Paula right now as she's having to support him. They've been through a lot of rough storms, Jesus, but we know that there's always light. You are the light, and uh, you make our burden light to carry. We just want to speak into Terry's life right now. We rebuke all weapons formed against him. We command them to leave his body. We command his mind to be free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, just for the gathering of like-minded believers in this building and that he feels the power of you, Jesus, through us as we work for conduit for you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for bringing the word today and just a revelation for speaking into people's hearts and just having the Holy Spirit fill this room. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. All right, so I had this word, um, risk versus reward. When I was, my, my dad and mom like lived by this when I, when I was growing up. My brother and I got into not a lot of trouble, but we always were trying to push the limits on things, really test the boundaries. And, uh, you know, boys will be boys, but, you know, jumping over things or jumping off of things or, Dad, do you think I can do a double backflip off this pontoon deck? Probably could, but risk versus reward. And that was kind of his famous saying, was like risk versus reward. And I always thought that like, you know, that might have been, you know, when you grow up in a town of 5,000 people, you think that that, that, that that saying might just be something your dad says, not something that like people live by. So my brother and I were always super calloused about this, like, you know, how fast could the Corvette go, dad? I bet it can go up to 100, 160 miles per hour. He's like, you, you can try it, but risk versus reward. I was always like, man, this guy doesn't want, doesn't want us to have any fun. So, you know, now that I have my own kids and stuff, things do come full circle. I find myself even saying things that he said, which really pisses me off. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, really subtle things. And the worst part about it is it, it, it comes from the subconscious. You're not even trying to do it. Like, I heard my brother the other day say, say the phrase, stick around. I'm like, stick around? Kids are age don't say stick around. I'm like, that's what stuff the dad says. So, you know, it's kind of, I, I, I've been praying uh, just for really a revelation, um, what I was supposed to preach on, and we had our elder meeting, and um, they said, you know, who would like to preach, and I, I knew I was supposed to give this word. This has been kind of just making some observations lately, not just about my life, but in trying to speak to others and lead them to like a place of freedom where they can understand some might want to call the health and wealth gospel or just the gospel because the gospel means good news, good to hear news. People want to put all sorts of titles on what Jesus did for us and the gospel that we believe. It's because we don't have any conditions with it. So I decided to use this as risk versus reward. <clears throat> Go to the next slide, please. 
I have on there that Matthew 14, 27 through 32, but I'm going to read um, Matthew 14, 22 through 32. Isaac did a really good job last week of, he was preaching on the phrase full send or really just full commitment to something. He'd even use the example of you're on a dirt bike or on a side-by-side and you're about to send it over a jump or you're about to go over a jump. Letting off the throttle can lead to a worse circumstance than if you were to just have full scent. And that's a really, really good metaphor for life. Because if we're, if we're called to do something and we're committed to doing it, the last thing that you should be doing is backing out at the last second. Get to the apex and then get scared. So I was super excited about him preaching on that because I get to dovetail off of it. And uh, before we read the scripture, I wanted to make reference to, we had really, really cool worship because I, I always look for signs when I'm preaching. And Jesus is amazing. It, the things, if you're looking for something, it just takes like being aware. And I've noticed that with how, much, how many distractions we have in life, people's awareness has been turned way down. They're just not aware of things. Like even like traffic signs and signals and other drivers and everyone's awareness is just down. But if you become aware of something and you're looking for signs, things tend to pop up and you can see that Jesus is working in our life. So just with my message today, Isaac and Linda are singing songs and one of the verses they sang, besides when the night is holding on to me, Jesus won't let go. And you'll see how relevant that is in today's message. They they also said, I will rest in your promises. My confidence is in your faithfulness. Faithful you are. All your promises are yes and amen. You will also see how relevant that is in today's message. So keep that in mind that I didn't even know what their set list was, but it's going to play perfectly into this. So let's get into the scripture here. So Matthew 14 I'm going to read from 22 to 32. This was, Isaac has always has, has helped me understand the importance of context and not taking things out of context. So I want, want to set up like what was happening in Matthew 14 here. It's, it's super like packed verse. Like there's so many miracles and like references that like the, every church in America uses. Like this happened right after Jesus fed the 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 5,000 with limited supplies of food. So, says Jesus, <clears throat> this is the part where Jesus walks on water. So, Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. This is the crowd that they had just fed. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid 
and began to just sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I like, when I read stuff, I've, I've probably heard this part of Matthew, and or I've read through the book, maybe a thousand times. I've been taught another, heard, heard another pastor preach on this. There's like some really cool stuff in the Bible when you have, when you take a different perspective on things. Number one, I had never, people, people talk about this observation of Jesus walking on the water and Peter being the one that got out of the boat. I never knew that Peter asked Jesus to ask him. Everyone just said that Jesus said, you know, walk, walk on water. But Peter, it wasn't like he was testing him, but I can relate to this, like heavily, because I like to talk. And I'm the guy who, like, if I was a part of the, of the disciples and they said it's a ghost, I'd be the guy who'd be like, let me test it. I'll find out. Let me figure this out. Let me see. So I, if you're not a ghost, if you are the Savior, tell me to come to you. Basically, like, it's kind of some satire. And you notice Jesus didn't give some long-winded answer. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. Come. Like, I've never even thought about it from that perspective. He, I don't think it was Jesus' like, goal, because number one, it's the middle of the night. So that's like why it's so important for context. I hate being on the water in general, let alone when it's pitch dark out. He said that Jesus, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. So that means that the sun hadn't even risen yet. So he might have looked like a ghost. Peter's saying, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus said, come. Now, there was, there was a risk involved in Peter getting out of that boat. He didn't have to do it. But he had tested him. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Peter trusted him enough when he did answer, so he got out of the boat. Next slide, please. The other disciples that stayed in the boat, they did ride out the storm, but they missed the testimony of a water walker. All they had survived, all they had was a survival testimony. They had survived. We rode out the storm. Let our testimony be one that is rewarded because of risk. I want our testimony to be that last sentence. Let our testimony be one that is rewarded because of risk, not because of avoidance. Now, I'm not condemning the other disciples by any means. But Peter was the one, and you call him the, call him the talker, call him the one who wanted to test things out. However, he had enough faith or enough boldness to at least ask Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come. We can relate to this because I want our testimony to be one of a survival. Survival is like a coverall. So I broke it down into something that we can all relate to. I want to defeat storms. I want us to be a body that can overcome bad habits. I want to tell a story of overcoming sickness. I want to show others and be able to show and tell how we overcome financial burden. I want to be a leader to show how we defeat fear and anxiety. I want to testify about some personal battles that ended in victory over the devil. Next. 
I want to talk about, we're going to read some scripture here, and this, this, this gives us, this kind of shows as to why we, why, why are we allowed to be enabled to believe the way we do? What gives us the right to want to take risk, to want to have a testimony of overcoming? This is what gives us that right. This is Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. But when Christ appeared as a high priest, God, the good things that have come, and through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of his creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls, the sprinkling of, of a defiled persons with ashes of a heifer, sanctify for the purification of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews 9.15 Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeemed them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So this was also like a, I love how Jesus, like, it's almost like when I'm reading the Bible, like words will pop out. And it's like, it's like a, the highlight thing on the Bible app. And I've never even thought about the, the word mediator. Therefore, he's the mediator of a new covenant. That's so wild, dude. Like, that is... Number one, think about going to mediation. Does anyone, everyone know what mediation would be? Me and Isaac have a dispute. It's, we're, at, we're at an impasse. There might be money involved or something. I can't talk to him, he can't talk to me. We're both unapproachable. However, we need this to be solved. So what would we go to? We'd go to a mediation. We would go to a room and sit down with another person who would be a mediator. And they would be the one controlling the narrative. Trey, speak your piece. Isaac, quiet. Okay. Isaac, speak your piece. Trey, quiet. They're the mediator. They're the one who, who gets to be the gatekeeper. When I read this, therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised inter- eternal inheritance. Eternal, never ending. We get to inherit what Jesus did for us by being the atonement blood and sacrifice eternally. That's unbelievable. I've never, I'd never seen that as him being the mediator. And it's, un, it, it's crazy because God originally had never intended for, for, for us to have to, for man to sin. So he sent Jesus to be the mediator because he knew that we could not live a blameless life. Jesus was the savior, but he had to be the mediator. I've never thought of it in that perspective. It's, it's just, praise God for that. Next. <clears throat> so understanding the atonement and understanding that we have the anointing of Jesus because he's the mediator. We can't go to God without Jesus. If he wasn't in between, it can't be man and the sin that we committed in the garden and God. That wouldn't have happened. 
which is why Jesus had to be sent in our place to be the Savior, to be the atonement, to be our mediator. So faith, having faith in Jesus, what is the will of God? To believe in the one he sent. So having faith in Jesus is a risk that we must be willing to take. You don't have to take it, but having faith is a risk that we are willing to take. Hebrews 11, 6 through 7. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things, this is just an example. By faith, Noah, who when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now, this is a different time, so we have to be aware of the context. This was, <clears throat> Noah was stoned with the Old Covenant, which is why they said in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. However, there was still a huge element of faith involved here, because Noah didn't have to say yes. Now, he was, he was, they're basically saying he was fearful enough to say yes, but it was a mixture of fear and faith. And the magnitude to which he built that boat there was tons of faith involved. It was, and it was super blind faith. There was no water nearby. Next. So faith is a, a risk we're willing to take. And I recently was playing open gym basketball with this kid. And it was like a week and a half ago. And like we're playing, and all of a sudden his leg pops. Felt terrible for him. And right away, he said he heard a pop. Boom. Goes down. He couldn't flex his knee forward. He's feeling the back of his leg, which is like nightmare fuel for me. I always talk about, I always think about ripping my Achilles, which is not life-giving by any means. But he tore his Achilles. And right away, like, I had this, like, oh, just, like, lurching in my heart. Like, dude, pray over this dude. Pray over this guy. Pray over this guy. And I'm like, no, there's all these other people here. Like, I don't know if they align with the same beliefs I, be I believe in. Like, maybe this person goes to a different church, or maybe they go, I, you know. So it's like all oh, the, the storms were mighty. And so I go sit with this guy. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pray that Jesus will give me, like, a, a way into his life. So I talk, start talking to him, let everybody else keep playing basketball. And I'm like, I, I feel like I should just sit with this kid. And so I'm sitting there with him. He's icing his ankle or his Achilles. And I told him, I said, you know, what's new in your life? He asked the same thing about me. We just started talking. He said, so what are you doing nowadays? And I had just like, which I never, I never say this because it's, it's like cringy. But I, I, I don't tell people I'm an elder at The Rock. Like, it's, I'm Trey Smith. I'm an elder. Like, I don't do that. It's just, it's just part of like something that I want for like my faith walk and something that I do because I like to be involved here. But I just, the Lord told, told me to tell him that I've been doing some pastoring and I'm an elder at this body. This is a kid who, like, I coached. This kid's, like, 22 years old. Like, at, I didn't need to tell him this. But I told him it. And he's like, where at? And I told him. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I played basketball there before. Oh, that's awesome, man. He's like, so, like, what do you guys believe? He's like, I don't, I don't really go to church. I'm like, dude, this is amazing. Like, bingo. Basically, the floodgates opened up. I'm like, how much time do you have, right? So I start talking to this kid. He leaves. And 
I'm like, I think that I'm going to have like a, another way into his life. I leave the gym. He texts me his number and says like, hey, I want to come to your church. Like, I want to come. Sounds like it's like very welcoming. And I told him, I was like, dude, there's no attendance count. You could come visit. No one would even notice. Like, you would just be welcomed. So I call him and I just start talking to him a little bit. And I just asked him straight up. And this was like the part of the faith thing. I'm like, you know, I don't want to like be too, too, too heavy, too pushy. So I just said, hey, man, can I come over and pray for you? Where do you live? He's like, yeah, come on over. So I go over there, sit on his porch with him for an hour, pray with him. Dude gets up, takes his crutches off, just starts walking around. And like the thing, the thing that I like, the reason I like to do this and the reason I like to tell about these testimonies is because like no one's qualified. Like I'm not qualified to do that. And he's not qualified to receive that healing. There is no qualification. There's no metric that he has to meet. The qualification is faith. The qualification does involve risk. There is risk in me asking him because he could say no and be like, that dude's a crazy guy. I'm going to tell all my friends and they're going to be like, hey, Trey Smith's crazy. Don't, like, he's wild. The dude's a Jesus freak. He asked if he could put his hands on me and like, heal me. He's into that magic stuff. Like, th- there is a risk involved. But how much greater is the reward? And the reward isn't self-serving. The reward is I get to speak into this guy's life. I get to change the direction of his entire, his entire trajectory has changed now. This guy lost his dad when he was a freshman or sophomore in high school. He came home, his dad had a heart attack, dead. Talk about somebody who's like trying to get some people in his life who needs to be uplifted. So that was like, it's just a hard, that was a hard thing. There was some risk involved in that. And there's risk involved in everything we do. I mean, you take a prescription, you take a drug, there's 37 side effects, but we still take it. We get in the car every day and drive. There is risk to literally being a human being. There is risk in putting your money in a bank. You have no idea what they're doing with it. It's a, that's a completely different story. But... There's risk in everything that we do. There's risk in going and getting your hair done. They could turn it green. You don't know. You're putting faith in somebody. There's risk in going on an airplane. Hopefully this pilot is not under the influence. Hopefully that's not this guy's first flight. There's risk in everything that we do. We put blind faith in everything. However, when it comes to our walk with Jesus, what we are surrounded by is doubt. Tons of it, too. And it's all man-made stuff. I'm going to read this uh, highlighted part in the bottom. At some point, we got to make a choice. Are we going to live by what man created? The job, the position, the reputation? Or are you going to live by what created man? So a lot of... Uh, I've been, I've, been asking, I've been asking for ways that I can speak into people's lives because it's so sad to me, even people who have been raised in a church or gone to church with their family or as I've spoken about in my past sermons, when you ask someone what they believe, they'll reference a building or they'll reference a denomination. And what's always scared me is like when I talk to these people, they don't know why they believe what they believe. 
have no idea. They don't really know what they believe or really why they're there. So I've been thinking about you know, ways I can speak to others. And when you, when you share the gospel, the on, one of the only things that you should look for is a, is a surprise in their reaction because they should say this is too good to be true. You mean to tell me that man failed so miserably, God needed a mediator for, for us, so he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who was born to die. Jesus was born to be killed. He wasn't born and then like magically one day he's like, dang, I did not know I was going to have to be sacrificed. Jesus knew he was born to die. Which is why at the end he said, it is finished. How, why would he say it's finished if he didn't know the objective? There, is, there was an objective to Jesus Christ being sent in our place. And our only, our only requirement for eternal salvation is to, ex, to believe in the one he sent. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. There's not a bunch of like gray area there. So are we putting, are we putting our faith in living by what man created? Or are we going to live by what created man? Are we going to live by what God tells us in this book? There's a risk involved. We're going to look different. We are going to be called crazy. We are going to be called lunatics. People are going to be like, what do you mean? That's crazy, man. You think that like, you're going to be healed? You think that you're sick and you're just going to stand against it and say, no, I'm healed. In the physical realm right now, I might not be. But I know right here and right here, I am healed. Because it's not by what we do. We don't, we don't, we don't get a badge of merit. It's not that I behaved well enough or that I worked hard enough this week or that I prayed long enough. It's that I know Jesus already finished it on the cross for me. Took up our infirmities, carried our diseases. He is the eternal salvation for us. The way of man versus the one who created man. And that is, that is the, a microcosm of everything that we deal with. Any religi- religious spirited people, and I just heard this, my dad uh, did, had did a, done a Bible study last week or two and said this, and it was powerful, so I'm going to recycle it. Religious spirited people understand a concept. Finished work believers get a revelation. Religious spirited people understand the Bible as a concept. They look at it as a concept. Finished work believers get a revelation. And that speaks so much to what our church is called, Revelation Rock. We are literally, our foundation is built on rock. And it's because we have a revelation of what Christ did for us. It's not a concept. We're not looking at it as like, ah, maybe, but we should be careful because if you start working in grace and give people enough of that, it's not on your behavior, you know, it's not, it's not behave, believe, then you can belong. It's the opposite. Belong, believe, and then your behavior will change over time. 
Because that sanctification just happens organically. It shouldn't come from me being, Gary, you got to act better. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. He's going to just organically change his trajectory based on understanding how much God loves us and how his grace is forever abounding. But the way of man teaches us that we need to be religious spirited versus understanding the one who created man. So there is risk in being faithful. And is the risk worth the reward? Is, is, is the, the risk is faith. Being faithful is risky. Telling someone that you're going to get a job or a sale or that I'm going to, let's say, you, I mean, you're going to find the love of your life. You don't even know their name or have met them yet. But you just believe. You're convinced Faith is being sure of what you hope for, being certain of what you don't see. So there is a risk in doing that because in, in man-made, the way of man, you look wild, you look crazy. But the reward is you already know Jesus wants what's best for us. So there is a reward to getting out of the boat. Peter's testimony is greater than the other disciples. We're not condemning them, he just was on a different level. He had a different level of anointing. And it's biblical. It's not me saying that. That's just me breaking it down. Those disciples that stayed in the boat, they also had the choice and the chance to leave the boat. But they didn't. Peter got up, made the choice, risked it all, said, If you really are the Son of God, tell me to come to you. Come, getting out of this boat. His testimony is now he got to walk on water. There was some doubt involved. You know, it was, as they said, the waves were wicked. The wind was swirling. It was nighttime. Seems like a pretty scary recipe. But his testimony is amazing. So, risk versus reward. That's what I was called to teach, teach on today. And I think that Often, even I miss it, everybody misses it. But the one thing we gotta remember is Peter said, Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell me to come. That's the exact same thing as us asking God for a signal, asking God for a sign. When we ask God for a sign, are we ready? Are we looking for that sign? Are we, are, when we hear the voice, when we hear the tug, are we ready to take that risk? Are we ready to step out of the boat? Are we willing to put our faith forward? I'm not saying that I do it all the time either. But I, the way of man is what leads to doubt. Notice Peter only started to sink when he started to be distracted by the wind and the waves and the darkness. But when the night's holding on to you, God won't let go. So I encourage you you thought I was going to say challenge right there. I would never say that. I encourage you to look for ways in which God is, wants to use you in your faith. It doesn't mean that if you're a shy, timid person, God's going to want you to lead a company. Pray about it. Lord, how can you use me? Where can I have the most impact for you? Where do you see me having the most influence for your body? How can I lead others to you? Use me as conduit, Jesus. 
Ask him. Look for it. There's power in asking and power in receiving. So I appreciate your guys' attention today. I want to make a declaration over us, and then we'll be dismissed, okay? Thank you, Jesus. We just declare right now a spirit of boldness over this body, a spirit of receiving, just receiving ears and receiving hearts. Thank you, Lord, just for encouragement and that we have eyes to see the, tra- the trajectory you have for our lives, that we are going to be a light on the path for people to have a revelation for what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. It's the too good to be true news, Jesus. We just declare over our body right now that we are bold as a lion because we are righteous. The righteous are bold as a lion because we have the right to stand before you, God. We are so thankful, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, right now for provision, prosperity, and wisdom over this group. We declare that we will Make an impact for you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.